Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Event Industry News podcast. I'm your host, Adam Parry, editor at Event Industry News. Today I'm joined by Matt Culverhouse, who founded 106 Creative in early 2017. Um, Matt tells me he created the agency to combine um, two main passions of his, production and hospitality, which will delve a little bit deeper into on this episode. He's worked all over the world, engaging audiences of up to 85,000, which, which I'm impressed with. Um, Matt wanted to support the way in which brands communicate by you know, connecting up their, their audience. In terms of 10.6, they've produced everything from immersive walkthroughs, brand experiences filled with art and theatre, extravagant outdoor celebrations, and big banging firework displays, apparently. Um, Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me on today. Thanks for having me. Um, Matt. Excited to reference fireworks at this time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think there'll be plenty of those going off over the the next six to 12 months, I'm I'm sure of of it in our industry. Um, Matt, today I've brought you on board to speak about something that you're really passionate about by the sounds of things, which is the importance of, of human connection. Um, what does that mean in, in, in your eyes, in your mind? What does human connection mean and how does that fit with the events industry? Uh, well, I think it goes back to my, uh, my kind of career path to date, really. So uh, I actually worked in, uh, in hotels, um, specifically events within hotels, um, for about five or six years and then kind of set up a, an event kind of consultancy freelancer base. Um, worked with numerous different agencies and clients direct. Um, but I think what is really interesting at the planning phase of these things is how people actually look at the whole what is the ROI? And I love a bit of strategy. Um, yeah. I love a number, e- even though I've come from a, actually was a um, musical theatre background and all sorts of things. And my dad's actually a performer and I've, I've covered rid of a, a, a massive different array of things of my past, to be honest. I'm still only 28, which surprises quite a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, but everything has kind of had that human to human base. Um, and that's something I'm particularly excited by. And I think when I've worked in, especially some of the bigger agencies, if you receive an RFP and you can put all the best creative out there and this, this, and this, but actually, what are we, what are we trying to achieve? Like, is this an internal audience, external audience? And I think obviously it's quite apt right now that we've kind of been forced into this digital kind of mindset, which wasn't everyone's initial objective. Yeah. And now it's almost like, a, I'm referring to it, to my, we've got quite a lot of American clients, and I'm referring to this kind of digital thing as a band-aid to, or a plaster, as you would call it, to our clients. And I'm saying, Interesting. Human, human to human is going to come back. Naturally, this is human to human through a computer. Obviously, that's a thing. Um, but the live connection is always going to have a place. And I can't wait to get back to work and hopefully start getting back on site as soon as possible. Yeah, I think, I think it's an interesting, you're right. I think lots of agencies, brands, organisers have done what they needed to do at this moment in time to keep things moving, right? Um, it, it's very apparent what's going off. Lots of best laid, blit, 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 get my words right, best laid plans have had to be put on hold but the appetite for events the appetite to meet up and network and connect and do business and and have experiences hasn't evaporated that's that's been taken away from us really and you know even even for some of my family members it's it's a sharp difference to them in their day-to-day lives even though they've got nothing to do with the events industry and I think people feel somewhat that you know, they're kind of imprisoned a little bit. So it's interesting to me as to whether, and I'd love your thoughts on this, whether actually the, the, the need for 
one-to-one -one connection, human connection, and, and the experiences that wrap around those will actually increase post-lockdown. What, what do you think about that, Matt? Do you think we'll be, there'll be like an, an overriding appetite even more so? So um, I, I was thinking about what I was going to say today, and um, I, was, I was reading through different publications and yeah. doing some research and things, and I think it was really interesting that um, Martin Fullard over at Conference News opened mm -hmm. up this one's publication by saying so many people had come forward to give their, their thoughts and feedback, and he said, unless you're a scientist at this point, everyone's entitled to their opinion, right? And I thought that was really <laughs> apt, because I think we're, we're just walking down the street, I hear people talking about things and stuff, and and everyone is entitled to their opinion, but I suppose no one really knows. And actually, yeah. I was saying to someone this morning, like in my whole professional and personal career, I've always been lucky enough to have that kind of mentor type where you can pick up the phone if you've got a worry, concern, and someone will give you either um, uh, some ideas or actually some kind of some backup. And I think right now, that's what we're missing is actually we don't know. I would say mm -hmm. from, from my, own, my own thought process and, and conversations we're having with clients and things, um, I think, unfortunately, it's going to be a lot further away than people are thinking. Um, we have some clients who have some dates still in the diary for kind of September, October time, and people are, are pushing things back. We've got our biggest event of the year, supposed to be planned for uh, kind of well, one of our biggest events in, in two weeks' time, which has obviously now been pushed to potentially November, maybe even not happening at all. Um, and just kind of furloughing that event. I love that word now. We've never used that before, but now suddenly it's like top tip of the top. Furloughed event, that's a new one for um, me as well. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, yeah I, I don't know, to be honest. I, obviously, none of us do. I think what's going to be really interesting is seeing how people's mindset changes. And I think now when we're looking through what is being cancelled, being postponed, I think the interesting thing now is everyone's sort of moral obligation as much as anything else, like looking at how we actually bring these attendees together. And, and for me, it's a case of why are we bringing these attendees together? And that's where the kind of, yeah. I, I think of myself as a, as a strategic producer, which most people kind of laugh at, you either kind of be one or the other, but I like to think of both. I like to think, well, why are we actually bringing you into this room? Um, and I think people are talking about this whole hybrid thing now with virtual versus live. And I think that's, that's going to be really interesting for us. And I think, so far, we've all been introduced to this kind of Zoom way of life. I even Zoom mm. my parents now, which is such a strange thing to, and, and also for someone that spends, I mean, I normally spend the latter part of my day because most of my clients are in the US. So I spend the latter part of my day on conference calls, the beginning part, just kind of doing those face-to-face -face catch ups or doing kind yeah. of life admin. And now I feel like my whole day is sort of life admin because I'm always behind the computer screen. <laughs> but even if it's just like having a drink with some mates or like playing a quiz in the evening, personally, I'm zoomed out and quizzed out. I mean, I've never done so many, I don't think there's any knowledge that I don't think I probably has been brushed past my eyes over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> well, they're going to be quiz masters when we come back, right? The, the pubs are going to be like losing money and barrels of beer hand over fist. <laughs> <laughs> well, only if we're allowed in the pubs for these True. two pints, apparently. Uh, again, I find, but again, that, that's a kind of a way of our life and like the hospitality end of the reason why I love live events is always obviously you have that the general session, the exhibition, the breakouts, the whole event in a box kind of format that, uh, that we've known for years and years. But that networking element is crucial. And I think now when people are creating all these like virtual environments and like digital is great, as I say, for me, it's that kind of band-aid approach for right now because no one yet, as far as I can see from any research I've done, 
has really sort of cracked that na- that networking piece. And that's the thing that obviously we all miss right now, whether it's yeah. with friends and family or clients and prospects, et cetera. Even just from us from a business development perspective, obviously we're not going for drinks and having dinners and that hospitable element or just sharing a drink and like sealing the deal, so to speak. And obviously most of our clients are selling a product. Yeah. So not not having that that ability to be able to have a drink or even just like having a like catching an executive from a from a client like walking down the corridor at one of our live events i mean that that's second to none you're not going to have that in a in an environment like microsoft teams where you have to raise your hand <laughs> I, th- I think you're absolutely right you know some of the beauty of events is the serendipity that goes around it right you know we we all know that the old adage business is done in the bar and you know there's Great events, some of the, the bigger ones out there that people might be aware of, like Web Summit and South by Southwest. And they've done so well because they've created this culture of fluidity between their event. It's not just about the conference and the content and the exhibition space. You know, one of, Web Summit, for example, did really well from providing a platform for the likes of Facebook to take over a venue and do their own thing as an activation. Yeah. Um, for their own audience and their customers on the backbone of this populace around an event. And that is so hard to, to, to replicate. I think there's lots of things we can do for the attendee experience to make it so much more than just a Zoom like this and somebody speaking and somebody listening. Um, there's a lot of experience design that I know a lot of clever people and I'm sure you and your team have also discussed lots of ways that they can make it more engaging. But the fact is, without face-to-face, there are just elements that you cannot replicate online. Um, the benefits, their pros and cons, I'd like to see them work both harmoni- harmoniously going forward um, because I think there's sustainability and, and lots of other kind of pros for online events. But the, the fact is, face-to-face events are just so unique in the fact that they bring people together and, and create conversation and create introductions um one of the examples i've been given recently is i might know you i might know a guy called paul but you don't know each other but i know that you should talk and and that's not necessarily to do business that might just because you are two like-minded people that sit on the same side of the fence but i've never had that opportunity to, to meet and i think that's what's great about events is that whole network effect of i can introduce people that i think are going to see value in each other I don't know if you agree. It's the, it's, it's the whole kind of advocacy event, I think, mm. as well for me. It's like obviously in a in a in a sales event, it's like your your biggest advocates are your current customers. So if you have prospects that are going through that experience, there is no one better to have either as a kind of a legitimate me, i.e. bumping into each other, or a very staged, oh, have you met this person? Or yeah. even from sort of hearing that person on stage and that kind of thing. And and I think, yeah, I mean, the, the, the two things for me that I kind of uh, I worry about from a digital perspective is the exhibition element. And, and naturally, mm-hmm. uh, in most of yeah. our large scale events, that's very difficult to replicate. And it's very difficult to replicate with social distancing in mind and either two meters or six feet, depending on which side of the pond you're at. That's very, very difficult. And then that networking element and even things like all the kind of I say easy and I know there's a lot of people who are going to judge me for saying this, but the, the easy things like the registration systems and this and this, that can all be fixed with social distancing and this whole kind of new norm that we're getting into. But the things that the things that are really going to stick out are, are going to be those two things. Uh, networking and even from like the welcome drinks to the closing parties and all that kind of thing, like social distancing, if it is going to be around for the next six, 12 
maybe more months um what does that look like from that perspective and i think on on a digital platform yes it can be amazing and i think it also kind of depends on how it's well produced as you say there's numerous different platforms where it can obviously be a very different environment to say just having a zoom call but but actually for me looking at ways and means that we can actually make this a, a better experience i look at this as I think the if it is a hybrid approach and we do both, that's great. But if it's solely like a digital thing for now, I think we need to kind of change tact of just having like a slideshow and a presenter and almost look at it as like some well-produced telly and just think about having yeah. like, like we're seeing on the, the Good Morning Britons and the BBCs and things now, the way in which they're bringing in different people and, and they can be at home on, on Zoom and dropping that into a different platform and things. But the way in which that we're therefore communicating with the audience who asking like if it's like live polling like we would do in a general session environment how do we try and achieve that and i think that that's the real the real niche and that's how obviously even most of these platforms that that you can produce this on a computer or an imac or whatever like i'm on now from a show perspective again with my producer hat on like we need to be having like communication between the show team and the camera direction and obviously who if there is slides or the visuals or what does that look like and it's a much more produced environment that, again, I don't really think a lot of people have nailed all of those points right now. Um, because obviously we weren't expecting this. It's always been something kind of on the side. Um, yeah. But I also think time is the biggest thing as well. Like, there's a reason why TED Talks are only 18 minutes, because when you're focused at your screen, you can only do so many things. Yeah. I think I've been, we've been talking to clients about this for years now. And one of our biggest clients actually last year we kind of launched this kind of hybrid approach, but it wasn't massively advertised that there was going to be sort of the, the online element because they obviously wanted to test the waters and see who was coming and things. And we kind of produced a, uh, almost like a TV setup really. So we got, we kind of like the, the live environment. It was named live, but we had sort of the sofa set up and it was almost kind of a, you know, your talk show host. And there were some elements that were live, some elements that were pre-recorded, but most importantly highlights. Because I yeah. think if, if there are yeah. a lot of people now who are having sort of full day agendas on an online environment, you're, you're, you're not going to take anything away from that. I mean, it's going to be if you, if you have to keep pressing pause or moving away or, or whatever. And some of the best keynotes in the world, like thinking back to Steve Jobs at Stanford University, he did that in 15 minutes. And it's one of the most one of the most watched online doc documents that there are. And it was 15 minutes. and It was so exciting. We would say to our our clients now like if you've got a 45 minute keynote like pick out the most important bits and throw that into 15 minutes but yeah. even things i mean in ytm are going live in may and they've got pretty much a whole day agenda yeah there are a couple of breaks but there's only so much time i can just look at a screen if i'm not actually involved in something so we need yeah. to be looking at how long these things are going on for and, and attention spans I, I love the fact that you're saying that i think i think you know the positive out of it is Actually being forced into this is creating opportunities, creating us to, it's creating different ways for us to think about things now that we are restricted. And that's what our industry is about, right? It's creativity, throw a challenge at us, throw a problem, we'll figure it out. And we're good at that on super strict deadlines, sometimes on site on day. So, you know, figuring this, this hybrid digital thing out, come on, it should be, you know, relatively strict. We're going to figure it out in six <laughs> weeks. It's, it's done. Um, but you're absolutely right. I think, we need to take from film and TV and Netflix and YouTube and social media and not be scared to break out of these norms that we, a physical event, nobody should be looking at just plonking that and replicating that online, in my opinion. Um, I spend lots of my time on YouTube. My wife spends lots of her time on Instagram. Your audience spends their online life in lots of different ways and, and engages with content in lots of different ways 
I just watched the, I didn't actually, that's a lie. I heard about the campaign awards um, that went on yesterday yeah. for the live experiences. <laughs> and yeah. one thing that I took away from them that I thought that they did particularly well, they obviously live streamed it for anybody who want to sit there and, and sit through that and, and watch the whole ceremony. But they've edited each category down into that yeah, small I snippet. I watched it as well, yeah. So you can go up and pick up what you want and see the categories that mean the most to you and, and find out yeah. who the winners. And then not only that, that's super shareable content when it comes to the, you know, the back end tail lifespan of the event. Um, yeah. I've been speaking to a number of keynote speakers. One in particular has broken his 15 minute, uh, sorry, 45 minute presentation down into three segments. And now an event organizer can pick one of those segments and pay him to deliver that or two or all three. And it doesn't necessarily need to be all delivered in one go. It could be spread over three days. So from a speaking perspective, you've got three pieces of content for the same fee out of the same speaker delivered in different days and they can all be joined up. So from a discoverability point of view, if you liked what this speaker said on point one, you can go and watch his point two or point three at some point. And I think that's, you know, the one day, the two day event, even the, the three or four hour event could actually be divided up in a number of different ways, spread across platforms and delivered over a much longer period. And you probably get a much higher engagement rate. Is, is that the type of thing that you, you guys have been looking at? hundred percent. I think, and, and that engagement is the most important thing for me. And that's, that's kind of the definition of human to human for me. It's like, like, what does that engagement look like? And, yeah. and why is it necessary? So if we do need to completely like change the goalposts for ourselves and therefore deliver these ideas and suggestions to clients. I mean, that campaign thing made us talk in, on our like group WhatsApp last night, we were talking about it and, uh, and, and Matt, Matt sent it to us and said, have you seen this? And, and I kind of said back to the group, well, I don't want to do us out of business because I love an award show. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also kind of feel like if, if this is the future, and like we're not able to kind of gather in large groups or for, get people together from all over the country or, or abroad as, as we have done in the past, like, from a, from a cost as a business, if, if I've entered an award, say if it's like one of the event industry things that we've entered, like by the time I've, I've paid for a table and this and this and this, would it be better and more kind of specific to our region? Obviously that networking element doesn't quite apply, but if I take my team to a private dining room at a restaurant when it reopens and we have a telly there, we can stream it through. And obviously I'm celebrating with the people that have, have, have done the hard work. And obviously I'm, that's fantastic for us. And then if, yeah. if need be, we can then go meet with another team that obviously within whatever capacity we're allowed to for the future who who may who may have won who haven't won and and go out and kind of congregate in a smaller group of people rather than doing these things on kind of a mass of 1500 2000 and um, purely because of the, the dynamic at which those those awards happen Absolutely. and obviously they are very i mean if we look at like every opening of the, the golden globes to the oscars etc every host mocks how long these award <laughs> shows go on for and to your point obviously some of these aren't particularly relevant. I mean, um, Max and I went to an award ceremony um, earlier on in the year and there was things from like total event production at which we were up for and shortlisted to sort of like like best toilets and like best outside power. Yep. So obviously some of those yep. things weren't particularly sexy and exciting for us. Yep. So if you do have the option to kind of pick and choose, I think that, 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 that could be really, really kind of fundamental to our industry kind of being able to pick itself up and, and move forward. But that's kind of one section in the awards. But I mean, it's, it's the corporate world that really that kind of gets gets my kind of juices flowing if yep. you like and looking at what that future looks like is I just can't get my head around any any pipeline, any sales based conference, like just how much is is done in that live room. Uh, I mean yeah. um, I I was doing some research and I, I read the um 
the Content Marketing Institute's 2020 benchmarks. And they say like the 70% of the top performing respondents said that in-person events are crucial. Um, However, obviously looking on the other side, it's like how they they weren't really, they don't know what this this new norm would look like. So obviously it wasn't a necessary, a a completely fair assessment of obviously their thought process. But actually, again, as I say, getting in a room with like having like ask the expert sessions, having the customer advocates meeting any of these exhibition suppliers, catching that executive in a corridor, there's always going to be a place for that. And I think, it, and, and done properly, we can provide both scenarios um, with this whole hybrid approach to virtual. And as I say, that, that, that thing we did last year, like we had two and a half thousand attendees in the room, but for the first time they've ever done it, within seven days, we had 14,000 unique um, engagements online, um, which is an audience they've never tapped into previously. So yes, spread your message, spread it further, utilize that online environment, but like the actual in-room sales pipeline was huge. And would that be the same if this was entirely delivered online, if you had the choice, which obviously right now we don't. So I think that's, that's the kind of the biggest thing for us as, a, as an industry moving forward is now we have these options. And as I say, you've got both obviously the, the kind of legal and moral obligations. And I think that, that's going to be a, that's going to be an interesting thing with um, obviously Germany and, and numerous different countries and Belgium and Holland saying, like it's enshrined in law that you can't meet before September 1st. September was always kind of like that safe month for a lot of people I see on Facebook groups. Yeah. And I'm part of numerous different online online groups and things and saying September was that safe month, which I mean, was always kind of our, our own our own decision that we chose that to be that month. But even people talking kind of October, November, I mean, if it's, if it's enshrined in law in most of Western Europe that you can't meet as a group on the, until the 1st of September, in eight weeks time in November, are you going to have global groups jumping on planes and going to keynote sessions i don't know i mean i think it's a a lot of people obviously getting a bit bored and starting to flout different regulations and things i mean i I cycled through clapham common this morning and saw loads of people out and about outside so people naturally are there is an instinct to kind of go out against that lockdown but if your company will allow you to actually get on a plane and fly to a different country i think that's a completely separate matter yeah it's it's so hard to predict even on a day-by-day basis, isn't it? You know, I, I've chatted, somebody this morning posted, what does an exhibition look like? And in my opinion, even in the short term, possibly medium term, an exhibition is probably going to happen, but be restricted on the number of attendees. I think maybe let's be honest about it, certain exhibition organizers are gonna be like, okay, so we have 20% of these that are not key buyers, students, media, other people, etc. those that come and support the industry they're out you know it's a restriction on business business first restriction maybe on exhibitors maybe even i had this crazy idea could there be a turnkey solution where it's essentially a a hall full of three meter by two meter stands with two meters in between each of them and you do have to in order to attend that event you have to have pre-scheduled attended meetings almost like a hosted buyer scenario that doesn't work for every sector but there has to be some level of proof that you have a high need requirement to be at those events rather than you've just been invited, you're going to turn up. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I think the interesting thing about the whole like exhibition kind of layout is the further away that you put like each booth away from each other, the lower the footfall, because naturally you don't, you don't have people that are kind of forced to go to to mingle with a new location. That's why there's people like guys on my team who spend like hours on end trying to work out how that football plan looks to make sure that people almost like have to navigate your way through. But I think if we start kind of like 
overanalyzing the minutiae detail of this and start almost putting together an exhibition floor plan that ends up being like the IKEA journey, I think we're, we're, we're going to kind of, it's going to get into a sticky point where obviously if you're at the end of that, by the, if people have got bored, have they just turned around and left? Like, I, and that's why I think it's going to be so difficult to kind of look at, as you say, this like pre-scheduled, pre, kind of like pre but almost just the difference between like uh, a want and a need. And I think that's, that's what's, I mean, that's what the in industry as a whole is going to be looking at is want and needs, right? So it's like if, uh, if as part of the sales cycle of all of these large scale organizations, they know that in order to seal a deal, they have to have this like face-to-face -face contact and this is the best way to do that. That's a need. Whereas if there's some things like even going down to like Mobile World Congress, for example, mm -hmm. I'd be really interested to see for the future, anybody who, is kind of taken it as almost a bit of a vanity project, if you like, in the past. Um, now they don't have that kind of sales footfall and any of those leads to look at as a return investment piece for next year. If they've seen no drop in their business levels, are they going to go next year? I think that, that's what's really interesting for me to see what that kind of differentiate looks like between kind of pre-COVID and post as apparently COVID is now dominating all of our lives and our future plans. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's be honest with you. Some of the allure of an event like Mobile World Congress or these, these mega, mega pinnacle events was the, the, the size of them, right? You know, to be at Mobile World Congress was a talking point far way out on an advance of actually exhibiting. And, and, and let's be honest with you, unless you're maybe and Huawei or a Sony or a Microsoft, you've probably not got the budget to, to send all of your team and take out like a hall and, and, and kind of capture the vast majority of the audience there. You're, you're picking up what everybody picks up at a trade show, which is probably a couple of hundred key leads and you filter that back into your marketing. But the, 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 the trap, not the trap, but the advantage was that you had this big pinnacle event that you could wrap your marketing around and you could ride upon and and it was attractive because it is such a such a big event if that audience drops considerably is that appetite still going to be there from some of those smaller exhibitors to go oh well it's not as big as before so maybe we'll do something else with that that budget i don't know um i'd be interested to see as well if in order to play by the rules some of the larger events almost have to do multiple smaller events to manage to manage that kind of that kind of um footfall and social distancing um that might be in place at that time but i guess we'll see so in terms of i, I want to bring it back a little bit because we've been talking very much about about covid and and, and I, I really want to nail into you know the importance of human interaction let's let's imagine matt that that nothing's you know nothing's happened over the last six weeks everything's as normal why, why, is, why is it important for our industry to showcase and provide information that backs up the importance of human connection through events? Can you, can you define that in stats, in, in, in a story? How, how would you sit in front of me today if I'm a client going, Matt, I've got 200 grand to spend with you, but I'm just not sure. How, how would you pitch me? Why is it important? Um, what... <laughs> I think it, it really comes down to the objectives of that organization. I think, and again, that's where I almost love kind of breaking down any RFP that comes in, 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 and over to my desk. And I kind of say, well, like, what are they actually trying to achieve here? Because as I say, if this is like a marketing initiative, if this is like a vanity project, if it's experience led, 
or indeed crucial to their sales. I think different people do events for different reasons. And I think mm -hmm. finding out the reason that happens in the first place is, is going to be that crucial thing. And I think that the human to human element of being, of being personal does tick all of those boxes and has done for, for, for a generation of people that, that go to these things. I mean, anything from a brand pop-up in a train station, actually going in and playing and touching or seeing something visually, um, that, that audience is engaged from being there. You, you don't get that from, from walking past an advert at the tube station. Yeah. Different people do, do respond to different things. And I think one thing that, that I've kind of like brought to the table with, with 10.6, and, and actually when we first started this conversation a few weeks ago, we were actually about to launch something quite exciting uh, on the 2nd of April. We had a whole, uh, a whole uh, plan in November. I took my team away for a few days and we all kind of got around a table and I kind of, flouted this idea and suggestion to the team and then we all okay. have these like we all got our creative juices flowing and i'd love to say about what it is but actually you're not gonna like uh, you're not gonna um we we had a plan it was april 2nd we had a party planned and we had this whole kind of like marketing launch and and how we were going to really talk about the, the human to human element like moving forward but i thought obviously given this current situation and given that some agencies are unfortunately sadly closing their doors and things i yep. thought it was a bit inappropriate so it's something that we're, we're excited to launch we've got a new date in mind in um in a few weeks time um so i hope that that, that will kind of come out on and really kind of add to this uh, conversation about the human to human and how that really is important for as i say from anything from a brand experience through that kind of corporate environment but I mean, the stats speak for themselves. When you look at, um, I, I, we've spoken a lot about exhibitions because that, that's something which I think is that key part of, of an yeah. event, which is kind of currently, I think is, it isn't, isn't a huge forefront of everyone's mind because they just want to get that communication out there right now. Um, but I think that that is a, that is a crude, a key driver, but just that kind of the, the general session element for me, that's kind of where I put my producer hat on and I look at that environment seeing a human being on stage and um, talking in their natural habitat like i'm a big gesticulator as i'm sure you've noticed mm -hmm. like utilizing their using their hands and, and really having that building that rapport with that audience member and actually seeing a personality i feel like when you're sat behind a chair or behind a computer or behind a screen you're not really getting across your own personal experience and also your every single person learns in different ways or appreciates information in different ways and something which I, i'm really really passionate about and, and part of our kind of strategy and driver is when i was in hotels i used to work a lot with hr and in recruitment and training and and we almost conduct this sort of like learning needs analysis on our team we look at like how different people learn how different people retain information and actually now what we've brought to the table at 10 6 is we've looked at well actually the experience begins from that first moment of communication like what actually how it gets you excited, how do you engage that person and how do you kind of maintain that right the way through? And we've added things like opening experiences, being it completely off the wall things, but relevant to the kind of alignment of that strategy. So we've had live orchestras playing against a, a, a video screen of like 54 meters showing like some of the biggest moments of like everyone's lifetime or even before. Um, and then seeing that how that triggers memories and things. And then actually for the rest of that general session, in the back of your mind, you're hearing this song. If you can't quite place where that was and then suddenly someone starts talking about cloud or strategy or this and then you've now yeah. got a memory ingrained in your mind based on one of those senses and that's because you're a human being and different people respond in different ways and that's the most important thing here is that the person on stage can be whoever from serena williams michelle obama to an, an executive of a of a cloud company which isn't a particularly exciting like sexy product to talk about and sell but the excitement and the passion of that person and the relevance to you as an attendee member because you've 
you've chosen to be in that room or you've chosen to log on, the way in which you interact with each other, you may never have a communication word to word at all, but there has been a connection between you because you've chosen to be there, you're listening to what they've said, and you're going to retain that information if you want to. So yeah. that, that delivery is that human to human thing for me. And I think done properly, like a live experience is, is, is the bill. I mean, the ROI for any organization looking at a figure of how much they've paid and then watching people's social media or any of their own blogs, podcasts, etc. That's when you can feel proud to know that other people are there for your advocates and moving that information forward. Yeah, and, and there's some statistics um, just on direct sales um, that I was reading in a report recently that 94% of respondents to this said that based on attending an event, they had a much more positive view on making a purchase from that brand or organization within a very short period, actually, I think four to six weeks or something like that. So, you yeah. know, product launch, an important play like you were talking about, getting people really bought in collectively to something events have huge huge power i think when it comes to that that you know you can't you can't do the same through let's be honest a tiktok ad or a facebook banner or you know linkedin carousel or something like that great maybe for you know general lead gen and all that kind of stuff but i don't feel warm and cuddly inside by somebody giving me a display ad get me into a room where i've i've, I've you know the that the hairs have stood up on the back of my neck and you know I've, I've kind of listened to a keynote speaker and something's really resonated with me and I go back and I tell my wife about it and all that kind of stuff that's that's ephemeral isn't it it's like it just it just you can't you can buy it because you can deliver an event you can you can invest in that but you you can't really do that through any other other medium it just it just doesn't exist in my opinion no, and there's, a, and there's a really interesting read. Um, there's a, The Science of Being There. It's a fantastic report. You can Google it. And, but it says that you're 34 times more likely to buy something from having a conversation in person than you are from an email or like a, a web link, which is, I mean, it speaks for itself, right? I mean, naturally, obviously, if you're having a conversation or you're getting an email, it's that personal element. And again, that personal relationship and that human-to-human -human connection, it all comes back to the fact that, like we, we are all human beings. We are all individual, we're all unique. Like it's the same thing as your DNA, your fingerprint, et cetera. So everyone wants things in different ways and they want to be personalized. And the only way to make something personalized is to make it specific to a person and that's yeah. in person. Um, yeah. As opposed to emails, which everybody knows are going to be copied and pasted, maybe like changing a few words around, et cetera. But, but actually I'm pretty much selling, I'm, I'm selling you the same thing that I'm selling John. So actually yeah. <laughs> I can pretty much tell you the exact same thing. I'm just going to send something out. The number of, I mean, actually during this period, the number of different companies that have reached out to me, which I feel for because naturally people are kind of suffering at this time. But when people like spell my name wrong or the number of emails that I've had saying, hi, Max, or like sometimes not even beginning with an M, like you just, it's so impersonal. Yeah. Um, but obviously, in, and, and I'm now therefore not going to take that communication any further. Like yeah. you say, if you're in an environment where you can meet someone face to face and I mean, the statistics speak for themselves and seeing all the reason why our clients do these events in the first place is they get that return on investment because they do see pipelines. They do see incredible like momentous changes in like the, the sales cycle from getting people together in a room, as I say, be it the advocates of talking to each other or just having the benefit of seeing somebody with a, uh, an expert or a, a, an exhibition where you can go actually have a hands-on demonstration and there's not i think i think i hate the most and actually i was doing one recently with uh, with zero to to work out how to kind of uh, change payroll and things given the whole furlough scenario and stuff 
watching a demonstration on my screen as opposed to someone telling me about it are two very very different things I yeah ended up going going back to youtube one of your favorite things actually <laughs> seeing how somebody else just basically walked me through the process as opposed to me watching the very sort of corporate video from the actual organization completely different they both told me the exact same thing but I, that guy helped <laughs> really that's he interesting a, he, he did it in a more personal way because he, he'd experienced that and was therefore showing it as opposed to someone who does it day in day out who just plays with that system all day you explain things in different ways if you're a user or you're a developer and i think that's the most important thing again is the way in which i mean I, i'm very active i like to go and do things i'm, I'm very much like a hands-on when a new iphone gets released i'm the first one in the shop which I wonder what that looks like moving forward and people touching screens. And anyway, it's just a sideline. <laughs> um, I'm that guy. So whether if I'm following along with this guy telling me, I've cracked it. And, and, that's, yeah. and that comes down to that whole like learning needs analysis, looking yeah. at when you, when you develop content programs, is it, is, it a, is it a video? Is it a dancer? Is it a keynote? But is it a keynote? And, and keynotes, again, are a massive thing for me. And I think that's where our industry is, is going to change as well. Now we have sort of celebrities or scientists or media personalities who, again, they have an option to go. Like, are they going to travel from X to Y to go to be in a massive room full of people? Are they going to have to have some kind of interaction, be it just in the corridors or a book signing or, or whatever? And, and again, if, if, if it's a need or a want for them. And I think that's going to be very interesting because keynotes have played a big part in our industry, especially completely external um, speakers, be it motivational or someone relevant to industry and seeing what that looks like moving forward and, and, and if that has an impact on attendee numbers. I know we've booked, some, some, we've booked uh, Platon, uh, who is probably the most amazing speaker I've ever heard, actually, the um, photographer, talking about like casually walking down a corridor with me saying, oh, I was having, a, I was having lunch with James Brown. I was like, sorry? <laughs> like, it's fantastic to hear all these stories <laughs> and things, but he was the most relevant person. We're talking about connecting moments as a theme, and naturally that's what he does, right? So yeah. he was a fantastic speaker. Had we kind of not had a keynote and not had him in that room and we've just spoken about products and things and is that kind of like a very uh, specific to just our client? I mean, we had 81% of people say they are definitely going to attend this year, which obviously they're not because it's not happening, yep. um, but saying they're definitely coming. And we had 125 people out of the 700, I hate when people don't apply the feedback forms, but out of the 700 odd, who actually called out Platon as being a reason why they would want to come back because we've mm. invested the time and the research to look at why an external speaker can add value to this. And, and the 600 other people referenced back how the alignment of the whole thing thematically read from the moment to the moment, beginning to end, the whole thing tied up so nicely because we have the ability to do that because of that research, because of bringing those people together in that, in that scenario. Uh, and I think for me, like, the, the statistics of sales pipelines and this and this are all fantastic, but you need to walk out of a smile on your face and fully engaged. And that's why our kind of three keywords, if you like, kind of engage, excite and empower. Because if you get someone's attention at the beginning with communication campaigns or drip feeds, ads, etc., that excitement piece, they, as I say, if, they, if, they, if they're forced to go, that's another thing. Um, you obviously, you need to entice them to know there's a reason why they're in that space. And obviously, like, turn them around if you like oh, i have to be here my boss has sent me or whatever as opposed to i really want to be here and then yeah. that empowerment walking away thinking i've learned something from this i've really experienced something you can't or you don't get as good a benefit as that behind the screen um however as i say if you edit it in kind of the right way and it's like highlight reels etc rather than just watching hours and hours i think we can replicate 
as good as we can a human to human interaction right now, given the limitations that we have, but it's time, it's effort, and it is money. I think a lot of people are talking about saving money on budgets and things right now, given that no one can actually go and they're not paying for hotel rooms and meals mm -hmm. and things, but to do it properly and actually engage your audience, you do still need to put some money in the till, 100%. Yeah, do you know what? One of the things that I would love to see, um, which I think is, you know, you're right, keynote speakers, those big pinnacle people, listening to them, engaging with them on a, on a main stage and listening to their story, that's super powerful. Um, there's no doubt about it that, 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 that just them there in the moment and their atmosphere and them sharing themselves with you and their personal experiences and all that kind of stuff in their story. That's, that's what people, you know, predominantly go to, to events for. What I think you're right, you've touched on the point that, that maybe there will be a reluctance to some degree to those people to, you know, travel long distances, come to events, but they're not going to want to miss out on that revenue stream, you know, to some of these personalities. That's, that's a huge part of their income. I think one of the things that actually online events could, could really benefit both them and the attendees is almost having mini breakouts with them on offer to attendees. So let's take Gary V, probably because he's probably one of the examples that most people know. Gary is great at actually offering himself up for very short interviews with normal people, just like myself, just like me and you. You know, he will engage one-on-one -on -one with you and talk to you about your story. He does that at the live events. He does that through his social media platforms. Like to me, that would be, really enticing to, 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 to go on to an online event and have my attention captured and, and stay there. If I knew that I'd got a slot with Gary for five minutes at like quarter past two, like that, that even though it's a short amount of time, that would be quite compelling just to maybe ask him that one question of like, I have this issue in my business. Can you help me kind of scenario? And then in terms of, you know, revenue and opportunity to mark that for the for the for the organizer that's something they could probably sell or leverage a sponsorship or lots of different ways and then in terms of time for that speaker as well you know where they've traveled to an event that would have been days of their diary right you know travel internationally the day before day of the event maybe fly out that night whatever it's still two or three days for most people out of their schedule to to, to go and speak at a live event internationally whereas doing something like this, they could invest a fraction amount of the time, but actually provide lots of different opportunities for that audience to, to engage with them. So, you know, again, keynote speakers aren't going anywhere. Um, they're definitely going to be a draw for, for events when, when they come back. Uh, but I think that, that online actually presents some maybe different alternative opportunities to, to kind of mix things up and provide value to, to your audience. Um, I suppose one thing that I'd, I'd love to, to wrap up on, and I don't want to preface this with, this is about when we can come back after COVID, but with your experience and with your event design and your team, what does the future of an event look like from connecting up those people? It, it sounds to me like you're very much a technology-led individual, first iPhone, I'm the same, kind of want all the latest and greatest. Do you see tech as being instrumental in connecting those people up that should meet and helping facilitate that or you kind of like no that should be left to natural causes and 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 let it happen naturally with with people i think it's interesting um to see how people are starting to formulate 
plans for events without, without actually, I mean, we always say we like, I mean, uh, the favorite phrase from the, the British government is like, well, look at the science, look at the science. But um, I think what's interesting now is when people have taken their own initiative to put plans together, um, I'm actually in the in process of kind of going for a couple of like crisis meetings about postponements. And we were sent the publication, which is live on the, the Wynn Hotel Las Vegas website. There's a 26 page document that basically highlights their, their forward thinking for, for COVID-19 when they're allowed to reopen again, et cetera, et cetera. And it makes a really interesting reading that firstly on the first page, they highlight that this is until a vaccine is found. So they're pure as they putting down, this is this will remain in time until we have a vaccine to, to effectively cure the planet, right? Because Vegas is a hotspot for, for, for people from all over the world. So it's not yep. just like a, it's not just like your local library saying you can't come in until you can show you've had a COVID-19 test. Like it's a big thing, but they're talking about having like uh, heat um, heat sensors as you walk into the hotel. And then obviously if you if you are over 83 degrees Fahrenheit, like you're out the door, like so your bags are packed. Like if you're in the hotel already, you, you get kicked out. In the meeting space, they're talking about social distancing and um, and like how buffets will be dead for the next like 12 months. Everything's pre-packaged or pre-plated. So no one has to share cutlery and tongs and things. And again, from an experience perspective, I, I don't think if people know that's what's happening, I can't imagine people wanting to go to that scenario. And I think mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of, it, it takes us to sort of, that, that really is taking social distancing to sort of the nth degree. That's, that's reading almost everything you read and trying to put everything into practice at one time. Um, and I think even our own teams, like obviously I need to be a responsible employer as well. Like, am I going to expect my team to wear a mask and get on an aircraft and then go somewhere else and potentially wear a, wear a mask all day because the show calling or producing breakouts or, or building exhibition stands, etc. Like in the Middle East right now, you have to wear, you have to wear a face mask to go and exercise. I mean, yeah. I can't run with a face mask. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't run anyway. Run with that one, I'll be doing any, any 5Ks I've been tagged in. Sorry guys, I've donated. Um, but <laughs> um, but I, I, I think it's really interesting because I think the we, we, we've shown our worth. I think what's the, the best part of this situation is people are noticing the lack of events on their schedule. People will be seeing loss in tra in website traffic, in like uh, in engagements from um, forms and from communication and salesmen being able to benefit from having email traffic and therefore a specific conversation with a customer. And as I say, kind of sealing the deal or showcasing something live. Um, we're always going to have a place. Anybody who thinks like this is the death of the events industry is very much mistaken, in my opinion. I think, if anything, to your first point is, I think we are going to come back with a bang. I just don't know what that bang necessarily looks like yet, and and what time frame that we have on that. I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, kind of twelve months. Uh, I think with with kind of uh, with Google and and Facebook saying that nothing's kind of happening from their perspective until kind of June twenty twenty one. I think that puts um, a big onus on on agencies now and I think it's this is the time for all of us to show how responsible we are both as an employer and as kind of a, a, a trusted advisor and partner to our clients and I think we've we've really kind of shown uh, to our existing client base now how and I always say this in pitches and meetings and obviously again I'm, I'll be a salesperson at that moment but I say like I, I spend your money like it's our own like I care about yeah. every dollar um, like, like it would be ours so obviously with We've, a lot of people have really shown their true colours in this situation, be it venues, suppliers, etc., um, to, to show like how forthcoming they want to be with host. I mean, even in my personal life, I mean, my, my my brother was supposed to be getting married two weeks ago, and that's now been kind of pushed back to October. 
every single venue, every vendor from the venue to the florist, everyone so forthcoming, so helpful. Yeah. Just moved on because obviously they're human beings as well, right? They go through this. Whereas like my, my best friend Stagdill, I supposed to be going on to Snowbox Festival, um, just like two days before they canceled it said, oh, if you want to get a refund like of 80%, like hit this box now, da, 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 and then obviously canceled it two days later. But now I'm not entitled to 100% refund because I opted to jump first. I mean, you, yeah, you told me to. I mean, yeah. that's, that's kind of shady practices. I think, I think that the one thing this is going to do is almost kind of clean up the industry. And I think if you if you showcased like your responsibility as both an employer and as a trusted advisor, partner to your to, to your clients, suppliers, etc., I think obviously you'll you'll, you'll reap the benefits in the future. Um, but I would say, I mean, a lot of people have said like, when do you think things are going to restart again? Um, I can't envisage them starting again till next year, to be honest. Be it Q1, Q2. Uh, I, I I think if you're if you're a large organisation or even a small organisation planning an event and you're almost kind of following the Googles and the Facebooks and whatever to kind of see what they're doing, I understand. I, I think obviously they have a huge advisory p- uh, panel that are letting them know when things are happening and they're probably paying for their own scientific advice and things as well. But also be marginally cautious because I would say those businesses they they have the cash flow um mm. they have their client base they aren't massively reliant upon these events their events are a bonus yeah. and i'd say for all those organizations from pharmaceutical to uh, automotive etc who who rely upon these experiences like maybe let's look at what the government are saying and like what the scientists are saying rather than just these massive like multinational billion dollar companies because we're we all operate in different ways i think yeah. whilst we're legally legally compliant and we're morally compliant with how we would like to be treated ourselves, I think the events industry can return in a safe um, and kind of normal manner um, without us waiting to just see what Mark Zuckerberg decides to do in his billion dollar life. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> I think that's absolutely true. We should, uh, yeah, not just focus on the headlines, right? And I'm in media, so, um, you know, I, I put headlines out and I, you know, I totally agree with you. Matt, we we've come we have to come to the end of it um, based on time, but I would love to invite you back for a part two so we can revisit your project. I sense that there is some very interesting discussion to be to be had there, which will expand on this podcast and and tell us much more about you, your team, what you've got planned, and the benefits of that to to the industry. So I'd love to invite you back to for part two, maybe in a, a couple of weeks or uh, maybe a little bit longer after you've after you've delivered this launch event and um, you've you've been able to shout about yourself. For those that are listening on the podcast today that want to connect up with you, learn about more about Ten Six, etc., how can they do that and where do they go? Um, so I'm a massive LinkedIn user. Um, so just Matt Culverhouse on LinkedIn, um, 106 Creatives on every social channel. Um, we actually do, at the moment, obviously we have got some of our team furloughed and things. Um, mm-hmm. So we're, we're trying to keep our social platforms as something which is purely a space of positivity. So yep. uh, we're releasing like a Spotify playlist every Tuesday. We're doing like our, our top kind of um, happy things that happen in the world, things like Captain Moore and stuff. Uh, Tom Moore um, yeah. on Fridays and stuff. So our social media has taken a slight lapse so that we don't, showcase really exciting things that we've done obviously or all things that are coming in the future we're just trying to keep it like you know just like general headspace clearing for everybody um but yeah all, all things positive on our socials but yeah i'd love to connect with anyone on linkedin etc and 
share any best practice advice or, uh, uh, or yeah, hopefully just an, an ear at this time. And it'll be nice to maybe not just focus on COVID-19, but just put some yeah. nice, fluffy, nice fluffy things for the future that we can all uh, look forward to. Once, once it's all over, we're banning it. That's it. No more. We shall not say the C word ever again. So, <laughs> Matt, thank you very much for, for taking the time in, 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 such a, in, in such a climate to come on and speak to me. We'll have you back for a part two. Listeners, viewers, if you like what you heard today, do share it across your networks, share it with other people that you might think find this information interesting and this conversation. It really does help with the discoverability of the podcast. Check out Matt and 106 if you're not already connected up with them. Matt, again, once again, thank you very much for coming on today and we'll catch up in a couple of weeks. Thank you.